Welcome to Tenet Men. Welcome to Tenet Men. I am your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team moving forward through the film. Kevin is on the blue team moving backwards. Kevin, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I definitely feel uh, a lot more confident in my minute now. Uh <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this minute. Yeah, you'll see. I, we finally got to the beginning of that conversation that I've been in for a while. The end for me, the beginning for Seder. So it's <laughs> confident about your minute. Words that have never been spoken on this show before. <laughs> I'm going to sneeze. We'll cut that out. Yeah. Um, sorry. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited to hear about your confident minute. Uh, yes. My minute is uh, starts up in a... Actually, I'm in a spot where you have been. I'm, I'm like in the middle of this conversation, so picking up from last week and then ending really, really abruptly um, in what I think might be critical information. But you'll have to tune in next week to really get to it. Uh, That's true. There's, a, there's an interesting stuff in your minute. Uh, there is. And I also have I also have a disclaimer as soon as you begin. So be ready for oh, me to cut you off immediately. <laughs> I love it. I would expect nothing less. I'm starting I'm starting at the minute second marker, 14 minutes 21 seconds to 15 minutes 21 seconds. 15 this is episode 15, which means after this minute we will have covered 30 minutes of tenant uh collectively. Congrats. I'm I'm exhausted <laughs> thinking of <laughs> all this stuff. <laughs> I was thinking about it uh, earlier this week. We need to, I need to go back and listen, but I want to create like an FAQ of all of the questions we have raised and all of the answers to the questions that we knew the answer to or figured out the answer to. Yeah, I feel like we need to do 15 is a good spot for that, but I'd like to get some listener feedback. So if you, if you've been angry about anything in this podcast <laughs> uh, and you want to correct anything we've done. Uh, leave a review on whatever service you're listening to us, whatever service you prefer, and, and we'll, we'll we will address it in maybe a separate non-review, non-minute episode. What do you think? Like a yeah, the, the the Tenant Men FAQ show. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what it's going to be. I have so, some things to correct just on my own. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, we're not, again, we're not solving anything with this show. We are asking more questions than answering, I promise you. With that, uh, I think it's time to get started. So uh, last week I, I led off, I, I, I left with uh, our conversation with what, who I thought was a professor in a college, but turns out it's a, uh, it's a woman, a scientist and a office park uh, showing our protagonist some of the intricacies of, of tenant and in, uh, reverse entropy. Mm-hmm. So where we left off was she was starting to put the clip and two bullets on, uh, on the, again, like, like a lab Let me table. stop you right there. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. Just to correct, um, I, I think this is my first legitimate screw up 
or goof as they may call it in the film where it does not this doesn't make logical sense even with the inversion confusion and everything uh when he fires the bullet and it reverse or he catches the bullet in the gun where where is that bullet in the gun what do you mean oh it's in the it's in the clip and it should be in the chamber right it should be in the chamber yeah um, because it would even with the reverse technology it wouldn't that the Beretta nine millimeter wouldn't push the bullet back down into the clip for him to pull it out via the clip. And you clearly see it. It's in the clip. Um, the gun does not look inverted. And even if the gun was inverted, it wouldn't work. Right. And there's like no, that. and there's, and there's no mechanism to push a gun or push a bullet from a chamber into a clip. Bullets no, don't go there, that way ever. <laughs> an action would be, if, right. so if it was moving forward and the bullet was in the clip, you put it in the gun, you have to, there has to be an action either by firing or by pulling the slide back and locking it. But um, I also think I I do think the gun is inverted. I think you have he to shoot and struggle in... to pick it up, like we're going to see here in a minute. Or he would have known something's off about it. He's I not think... wearing. Is he wearing a glove? Because in this scene he is. In this scene he is. But I think I don't think you can shoot an inverted round with a non-inverted gun. I don't think that's possible. Even if the gun is inverted. <laughs> None of this is possible. There would have but, to be an, there would have to be two bullets for that action to happen. There would have to be a because he checks the chamber in the first scene. It's right. Empty. Yes. So there's no yeah. There's, he, so there would have to be a bullet already in that chamber for the reverse action to take place if the gun's inverted. Okay. This is my legitimate goof for the movie. <laughs> but there, there would still have to be another action for the bullet to like, because when he yeah. catches it, it's going to get caught into the chamber. And then there needs to be another action for it to end up in the, in the clip, even if it is an inverted gun, which I, I do think it is. If it was an inverted gun, then I think the first action of the, the gun would slide back and the bullet that's in the chamber would go down into the, the clip. Right. Right, but that doesn't but, happen. But but he's already shown us that there's nothing in the chamber. Right. So, I yeah, that's that's it. That's my first IMDb goof of the film. <laughs> <laughs> there's more. I think you know the. There might be more as we dissect. You really well, have to dissect it closely because the the mental gymnastics you have to go through to prove something like that. Well, I still stand by like in the opera house when the inverted bullet kills the guy that's about to kill the protagonist. Like that bullet would just have to be in the opera house like forever, right? For it to be inverted at that time. And then like, I, I don't think that scene makes sense either. Well, no, well, that, none of this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it would have to be like that bullet was there. It's, at some point between the construction, it was somehow just manifests itself in there. Right. Or the or the prevailing winds would eventually decay that radioactive bullet. So it's no longer there at some point, but it's there for a continued period just yes. before the event. And it and it becomes more and more there. It manifests itself more and more as you get closer to the event. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a possibility. Like radioactive decay, it would eventually it would break down over our perception of time or no, it would, 
it would manifest itself, as I keep saying. Maybe there's a better word for it. Instead of breaking down, it would be the opposite of breaking down. It's reassembly. Itself, it's pulling itself together from the ether of the universe. So <laughs> heading back into my minute, yeah. two bullets clip, uh, and she's wearing a glove because, you know, inversion radiation is a very dangerous thing, we assume. Um, <laughs> one, she says one of these bullets is like us traveling forwards through time. The other one is going backwards. The other one's going backwards. Can you tell which is which? Uh, and he shakes his head like a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she Jedi mind tricks the bullet into her glove. It's amazing. How about now? Oh, obviously. Uh, she says it's inverted. Its entropy runs backwards. So to our eyes, its movement is reversed. We think it's a type of inverse radiation triggered by nuclear fission. Okay. Now, I know a little bit about nuclear fission, and I have a lot of questions. I'm not going <laughs> to ask. <laughs> but I don't think nuclear fission is the right, the right, uh, <laughs> the right, the right trigger here. I, 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 it's an economy of words. They're giving us so much information. And they just like they're just throwing out a word that the audience would be kind of aware of enough to go. Well, I don't know how nuclear fission works. So sure, <laughs> I guess this is possible, right? Right. Uh, economy of words. I think that's that's spot on. I like that because this this moves so quickly. Too. It does. Yeah. There's a lot of information in 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 this scene. Actually, in this and like the next couple of scenes for me, actually, it's all set up. There's so much set up here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it does move very very fast and it doesn't give you time to question it because if it did, the movie would be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> like if there's more examples. Uh, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> let's just accept nuclear fission can reverse objects entropy somehow. Uh, protagonist says, "You didn't make it." And she says, no, we don't know how yet. He says, so where did it come from? Someone is manufacturing them in the future. They're streaming back at us. It's the, the, it's the Christopher Nolan they. It's my favorite Christopher Nolan thing. Uh, yeah. they, they are streaming back at us. Um, I just, I love it. And then she says, try it. So he puts a glove on, you know, safety first. Um, and he's trying to do the Jedi mind trick and it's not working. Um, and she says to him, you have to have dropped it. And that's the key that unlocks the whole thing. Cause then he's like, you know, nods his head and he's like, yeah, I, I know how to do this now. Um, this whole thing is ridiculous. <laughs> like, is. And also the idea of you have to have, have dropped it <laughs> is so hard to convey visually because it's really just a state of mind. Like you just have to yeah, conceive of, uh, okay, I have dropped it. Like <laughs> yeah. this comes up later. Like whenever he has to interact with something, it's it, it's he, just not it, that this little part of it is not visually interesting. I think actually they they sum it up better in my next in my next minute, okay. but not so much this minute. But anyway, like it's just it's funny that like he tries to do it, he can't do it. She says you have to have dropped it, and then he's just like, okay, yeah, now I got this, and then he does it. <laughs> he does the thing, um, and he's and then he asks the question like, how can it move before I touch it? Uh, which I feel like at this point now is kind of a dumb question because you've seen it. Like this is the third time you've seen it now. Like you caught a bullet, you saw her do it, and now you just did it. Like that's yeah. kind of a dumb question. Like there's a better question to ask. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm overthinking this. Maybe I've seen the movie too many times. Um, I feel like there's a better question he could have asked. Mm-hmm. It and does then, get to the idea because it is groundbreaking. It's breaking down the cause and effect. Yeah. That cause right. that the cause can come before the effect, which is a. It, 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 I think. It, 
it continues with your conversation, actually. Well, it's all over here because I'm at the end of my minute. Uh, So he says, how can it move before I touch it? And she says, from your point of view, you caught it. And then we cut off my minute. So there's, like I said, there's a really bad abrupt cutoff for my minute, (laughs) uh, really breaking down the pointless structure of our show here. But we have to live within the boundaries we set up (laughs) because otherwise, if there's, if we're not living by the rules we set, then what are we doing here? (laughs) What are we doing? I will just spoil the next minute a little bit because they get into a conversation about free will. Right, right. Um, which is because again, my my I've said this a couple of times, but inanimate objects being inverted really annoys me because they they inherently do not have free will or agency. Like a, a rock does not have free will. Well, you're assuming people do, though. I, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I have my own concepts of free will and determinism and um, causal determ whatever. Um, the, the Hume thing and the fucking Kantian thing, <laughs> you know, whether we are manifest our actions or whether there's a third party cause that determines our actions. And, you know, we, we are mere, um, just puppets in the grand opera of space and time, which this movie is very much about as well. It's getting deep. Yeah, uh... yeah. Okay. So I'll get into my minute because it does, uh, dig into my minute blue, blue team commence <laughs> blue team. we start off in in deep in the blue team in their um uh in their actions at this uh the salask scene salask 12 um the nuclear city uh, and we have neil completely abandoning his mission now he's completely devoted now to um what he's going to do he's going to go against his mission go and invert himself uh putting him forward in time because right now he's inverted um just before this minute uh wheeler was screaming at neil (laughs) because he's running away (laughs) um he's running off he gets to the hypo center uh and he looks at his watch uh, watch check oh by the way there was an analog clock in your scene we didn't talk about Oh my God. I think you're right on the wall. There was a lot of old technology in your scene. Like I I called out the rotary phone in your previous minute. Right. This minute has an old TV. It's got an analog clock. That's a square (laughs) in the background. Um, I feel, are you sure it's not in my next minute? It will probably be in the next, if they're in the same room. I this is I, back into the lab, but then they, they go to another room where they start looking at other objects and continuing the conversation. It's true. Like I said, I was kind of, I kind of, I kind of watched the entire yeah. conversation. So maybe it is in your next minute, but it's in that room. So anyway, okay. watch check. Uh, it's <laughs> four minutes, 10 seconds. Then it goes four minutes, nine seconds. Wait, is it going the right way? Yes, it is. Cause he's inverted. So it's counting down to zero. On the the big the big fat Hamilton watch, yeah, that giant <laughs> watch. You can buy that. You can screen. buy that watch for two thousand dollars. By the way, <sighs> no, I'm not that. But all like keep it like the, the the there's like the digital there's the analog watch and then there's the digital part on the watch. The digital part is not actually on the real watch. They had that was like a prop for the movie, mm-hmm. and it's like this ridiculous. I think we talked about this already. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Hamilton khaki below zero. Uh, if you have giant ogre wrists, you should buy one of these. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. 
I'm just trying to check the clock because I have another ticking clock coming up. I'm I get excited about which direction they're going. I get excited <laughs> Neil's, about watches. Neil's clock is ticking down, and then he decides he he goes off into the hypo center. Then we join the protagonist and Ives running down the tunnel, uh, and they're coming up on the door. Uh, they realize they're they're locked out. They see where they are. They they're like checking everything. So they see that there's a hole, they see there's a well, they see that there's a ticking clock on the wall that is at uh, 4.06 and then goes to 4.05. So that one's going the opposite direction. Um, and then they're trying to open the door. <laughs> they see that there's a dead um, blue team member on the opposite side. Uh, Ive says, we don't have anything big enough to blow this. And then they suggest uh, the protagonist try the dead soldier. He reaches through the bars, um, uh, starts checking over the body, and finds on the backpack of the dead soldier the coin with the hole hanging from a length of orange and yellow string. This causes the protagonist to pause ever so <laughs> intrepidly <laughs> before he says, nothing, can you pick it? Uh, and this is where Seder's voice comes out of nowhere. <laughs> um, actually, no, Seder's voice doesn't come out of nowhere yet. In the script, it does, but in the in um, in the actual movie, we see Ives get shot first by Volkov. Seems to be a forward-facing bullet that just glances off his helmet, but that's what puts uh, Ives down for the entire conversation we're about to read. He is not a part of any. He is not a part of this. Um, scene moving forward in time. At oh, hold on a second. Are Ives and the protagonist, are they armed when they get to this locked door? Um, yes. So uh, the protagonist is, and immediately, like right after this, Vol right after Volkov shoots Ives, um, we hear Seder say, I hope not. I paid a lot for that lock, which is really <laughs> a goofball. <laughs> <laughs> bad guy thing to say <laughs> but that but the protagonist immediately hands over his arm his his handgun through the bars to Volkov <laughs> why like wouldn't they just shoot him I wouldn't I could you could have just shot each other but then we wouldn't get this great conversation I agree but like <laughs> but he would just shoot at him right he's not going to just hand over the gun it's usually how guns work but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, it's like two versus one and like they have the element of surprise because i don't think the tall russian why, goon knows that they're coming out like i it just feels like they should have like really easily shot it, this guy and there's also like a lot of stuff like also volkov eventually shoot throws his rifle into the well during the conversation right for no reason like right hey did you just want to check that it's a well like did you just want to check the depth you could have thrown other things right yeah it's like a perfectly good rifle like you know the algorithm <laughs> the thing that's <laughs> supposed to go down there <laughs> why have to lift it up with a winch throw it piece by piece i don't know <laughs> that's another good point yeah like why like can't you just toss it like a football why does it have to hang on the yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of mechanics just to have this conversation yeah because yeah. also it's a radio and it's like he's just they're just openly having a conversation nobody's holding down the button right and he's in the ukraine there this is in ukraine <laughs> And Seder's in like Vietnam, but the latency is fantastic. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, even though they're under they're underground, right? They're they're in a deserted city. Yes, they are radioactive, radioactive city. Yeah. 
there's a lot going on to create this conversation. Um, it might Don't be the look best, behind like, the villain, getting the villain to monologue to pad the time <laughs> don't don't look behind the curtain yeah okay so oh, where are we okay so in the script also not only does the protagonist hand over his gun he also grabs ives gun and hands that over too <laughs> that i don't think we see that but this is all happening very fast um Seder says how do you like where my journey began and yours ends that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, Tenet. There we go. So <laughs> uh, Protagonist says, it's a little radioactive for my taste. And then we cut back to Seder. He's sitting on the boat and we see Kat uh, kind of like kind of just checking up on what he's saying, but it's implied that she can't really hear or at least uh, Seder doesn't think that she knows what he's even saying because she wouldn't even understand who he's talking to because he thinks she's past cat um and then he goes on to say my fate was always bound up with radiation we'd work where no one else would we made a deal with the devil money for time we sold our futures so kind of the capitalist uh answer to global warming that (laughs) yeah we Sure, we destroyed we destroyed future generations' ability to enjoy the environment, but I made a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my yacht! <laughs> like literally trading his life by working with radiation for money, and then he happens upon like the golden goose of that, like killing the golden goose to get all right. the eggs that are inside, and then not having any, <laughs> and also getting radiation and dying of cancer when you're young. Right. Uh, and that's and that's it. The next thing that comes in is the protagonist replies with, now you're making the same mistake for the entire world. And that leads into the rest of the conversation that goes on to say, somewhere in a man, somewhere in time, a man in a crystalline tower will throw a switch. Uh, reverse time. <laughs> that is really fulfilling, by the way. Just because uh, for like the last five episodes, we're like, why is Ives down? <laughs> yeah, I, I had to go with, like when we first was getting into this conversation, I had to go backwards to figure that part out. And then like you were weird to start the mechanics of how did we get to this weird standoff behind the door <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with him handing over his weapons and everything. Um, it, this, does, this, this doesn't make it any better, by the way, <laughs> but at least we know no. how it happens. Yeah, I feel like the mechanics of this could have been better, or yeah. the standoff could have been better. But it, it go, just playing off the idea of free will and determinism, be like that you have to have dropped it. Like we see in the film, um, Neil make his decision. He's going to the he's going to the turn turnstile, and then all of a sudden, that's when we see the protagonist see the dead Neil, who can only exist if neil goes through with what he's already decided he's going to do how long how long is like dead neil there so like like if you go if you go into that cave um like 10 years earlier is there like a skeleton of neil (laughs) that's that's such a great question because like there had to been some prep work done there right 
I don't know, right? Like, yeah. Here's the here's another problem of inverted time, right? Like, is his body just there? And let's say you go back. You go back a full hour, and there's a dead body there. Well, there's, right, like, yeah, exactly. Volkov gets there. There's a, and there's a dead guy, and he's just like, "Well, I got a job to do. <laughs> I'll just yeah, ignore that." Just ignore, like, and at what point does it manifest itself? I think this is where it would manifest itself at the moment the decision is made, because you'll get this in your next minute that, like, oh, the the bullet decided to move as soon as you put your hand there. It wouldn't have moved if you didn't put your hand there to try and mm. drop it as if you were dropping it or whatever. Right. So that's why, like, in terms of the movie, like, we see Neil make his decision and then we see the eventual thing that will happen because that decision was made. But it won't happen until that decision's made. And there's then there's also the observation theory that's like, what if what if we saw this in a different perspective? What if it was what if the protagonist came upon dead Neil before Neil made his decision or he got to that door before Neil made his decision? Is it possible that he could be on that other side of the door? It couldn't be because it was observed by somebody, right? Or the whole thing with seeing the dead body, maybe a soldier is just cleaning up in there and goes, Hey, why is there a dead body in here? I'm just going to drag it on this other side of the door. Right. But then, but then that would, negate what's happens happened right but it would. Again, <laughs> so it seems to be the observation theory is only observation that the movie is showing you <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i think uh yeah and volkov we see Volkov go in. In my next minute, we're going to see Volkov go in. He's going to set the, in reverse, we're going to see him, uh, we're going to see him come out of the cave, undo the tripwire, and then go up in a helicopter. So if you inverse that, he comes down from a helicopter, sets the tripwire, goes into the tunnel. He would have to step over Neil's dead body. Yeah, oh yeah. Door. Yep. But Neil hasn't made his decision yet. In the act of seeing Volkov go in, that's when Neil makes his decision in this minute I'm in now. That's when the body would appear. So all of a sudden, Volkov would be working. He would just walk in. He wouldn't see a dead body. He would start doing what he needs to do. He'd go, oh, how, you know, how does Crane work? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> sorry if that's offensive to anybody. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, go about his business. And then all of a sudden, a body manifests itself by the door. Hmm. I don't, because the decision wasn't made yet. I don't think that... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that either, though. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know what you think at Tenantmen on Twitter. Or leave a review on... <laughs> whatever service. Uh, whatever service you happen to be listening to us on. Leave an angry review. Duh. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're not, we're not making your day any better. <laughs> Let us know why. <laughs> if we ruined your favorite movie... <laughs> Let us know. You know, I'll say we pick apart this movie. There has not been a flawless minute yet. <laughs> um, that's for sure. Uh, I still love this movie. I could watch it uh, any day mm-hmm. of the week. I enjoy it a lot. So uh, nothing's perfect. This movie is far from perfect. Mm-hmm. Very, very enjoyable, imperfect movie. <clears throat> uh, 
Well, thank you all. Thank you all for listening to yes. the Tenant Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this, like we said, take a moment to rate, review, follow on whatever platform you found us on today. And rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of this film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends. <laughs>